rotten motherfucker. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Most of the Homeless Podcast. I'm your host, Damn It Damien. All right, buddies. All right, boys and girls, buddies and buddyettes. This week we sit down. We uh we bring a very special episode with Mr. Evan Thomas Weiss of Into It Over It. Now, throughout the course of this interview, I, I fight back the urge to call him even. And I think I even do in the beginning for a couple moments. Uh, that's just because I'm a ridiculous dyslexic. So throughout, the, this is the fifth time I've recorded this intro because I keep saying the wrong damn name. Uh, I'm also a ridiculous drunk, but at this moment I'm uh, pretty well caffeinated, and that's probably only adding to the problem. Uh, you see, throughout the course of this interview, though, I was a little bit tipsy. Uh, normally... I know about a week in advance that I'm going to get an interview. And so I spend the whole next week preparing, working hard, working diligently to make that happen, uh, get my research done and whatnot. Well, with this one, I didn't know this interview was going to happen until just a couple hours before the show. Luckily for me, this is going to be the 63rd episode of Mostly Harmless. I've been writing for Ant Magazine. I've done been doing probably a good 50 interviews a year. Uh, so almost one a week, so I'm getting pretty good at this little uh, gimmick here, at pretending I know what I'm doing. Uh, so, But still, so I get, I get the email back about three to four hours before the show going, hey, you got the interview. Let's do it. Uh, luckily for me, I had uh, just jumped in head first over the last week anyway, uh, anticipating this and kind of soaked up all the Evan Thomas Weiss goodness, the Intuit over its goodness. And uh, But... I didn't know I was going to get this interview that day. So my friend Tina was in town. We went to brunch about 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock that afternoon. Started drinking adult beverages. Came back home. Kept sipping on them adult beverages. And then when I get the email, oh, shit, you're going to interview this guy. All right, let's do it. I started chugging coffee. Then I kept chugging adult beverages again. And needless to say, folks, I was mixing uppers and downers. And I was a little out out, out of my mind. Not nearly as bad of a drunk as I was in the uh, Larry and his flask or red city radio interviews, but I was pretty tipsy, which I actually think uh, helped to make this a more enjoyable and fun interview. And let me tell you, uh, one of the reasons why I went ahead and did this so last minute without uh, as much preparation as I like is because I'd been listening to the washed up emo podcast and Matt Pryor's nothing to write home about podcast and decided that I want to be best friends forever with Evan. And so I could I couldn't skip that moment, and so we jumped in head first and uh, made it happen. And as you will hear in today's interview, God, what a nice, sweet guy! I want to be best friends forever with him. Uh, we didn't even touch on half of the things I wanted to touch on and talk about, but that just means we're going to have to get Evan back on the show at a later date, and we can chat with him even more about life, the universe, and everything. And maybe next time I can get his name right when talking to his face and not be such a dyslexic mess of a human being and uh, maybe a little bit more sober if you know what I mean so uh, thanks to Evan for hanging out and chatting with us uh, this interview takes place right in front of the Marquee Theater here in beautiful Denver, Colorado uh, the Lodo area of Denver that this place takes uh, it's a little overrun with bums especially on this particular evening uh, so we get stopped about five times in the course of the interview with uh, individuals asking us for change, money, cigarettes, and whatnot. So, but it only adds to the charm. It only adds to the flavor. It only shows you how much more genuine and sincere Mr. Weiss is and how wonderful a guy he is. And, God, I can't wait to get you back on the show. And uh, hopefully uh, next time we can hang out a little bit more, maybe uh, have a little slumber bar- party at my house, and uh, maybe you know you can cuddle with me in my king-size bed or whatnot. All right, buddies. I got to stop rambling. I had way too much caffeine today as usual. Uh, So we're going to go ahead and open this interview up uh, with a little track 
off into it over its newest album, Intersections. It's out now on Triple Crown Records. And boy, I got to tell you, I had such a hard time picking a favorite song off this record to play, uh, to open and close this record with, because it's such a complete record. Open to close. It builds into these beautiful movements and moments. And uh, I listened to it at least 10 times. And still, at the end, I'm just guessing which songs to put on the show uh, for you guys. Hopefully, if you're not familiar with Into It Over It, these will be good. Um, good uh, samples for you there. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for, samples. So I'm going to go ahead and open this up with The Shaking of Leaves off Intersections by Into It Over It, out now on Triple Crown Records.
So normally, normally I'll sit down and read every single thing I get my hands on a couple days before, but it came last minute. But I listened to uh, listen to a bunch of Matt Pryor stuff with you and the emo podcast with you too. So I oh, feel pretty up on things, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I don't feel as on top of it as I normally do. But I've had a couple beers, so maybe that'll. So you're uh, a little loose. Yeah, loose, loose is good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. You ready to go? Ready to go. Cool. So I'm, uh, we're hanging out in front of the Marquee Theater with uh, even. Evan. 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 What? I don't know why. I keep wanting to say even. That's what uh, people, when I go to restaurants and you tell them what, your, what my name is, they usually write E-V-E-N because no one knows how to spell Evan. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just like, but, but I, I'm, I'm, nobody cares, but I'm dyslexic. And just something about the, your spe- the spelling of even, in my head, it's Evan. Evan, even, whatever. Evan no, even? No, e- yeah. Even Evan. I'm just going to stop talking now. That's fine. So you Interview's over. Talk. Later. Yeah. See you. Dumb. <laughs> dumb. Dumb. Uh, so it's funny that we're here because the first time I ever saw you was here with Frank Turner and Andrew oh, Jackson awesome. G- Jihad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I was on a really, really bad date. Um, the girl I was hanging out with was a huge Andrew Jackson Jihad fan. I used to work for this company. So okay. she, knew, she, she knew I was into her. Nobody cares. But uh, anyway, so we show up. I get her in free. We're hanging out. And then she blows me off to hang out and talk to other dudes. So... Yikes. Um, it was a good night. <laughs> it was a good night. It was a very good night. But uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't until just recently when the Pet Symmetry stuff came out that I was like, oh, fuck, that I gave you a real chance. And yeah, I was yeah. like, fuck, yeah, dude, this is awesome. I <laughs> wish I had man. paid attention to your set that night instead of that girl. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so one of the things I like to do, I like to interview people about, like, the earlier beginnings and whatnot. Like, okay. Uh, and, and I feel like uh, Matt covered a lot of this stuff, but maybe... Not all of it, so I, I got some good ideas here. Um, so one of the things I like to know is like pe- when people, like I, I assume you're very similar to myself in that I'm obsessed with music, and it started at a young age. Mm-hmm. And I was curious, do you remember your first musical obsession? Do you remember the first time you heard music and you went, holy shit, I fucking love this? Um, the first time, well, the first CD my parents ever bought me was Nevermind by Nirvana oh, when I was like I six that. years old. Yeah. And uh, grunge was like the first musical like thing I was like so fucking stoked on and um my favorite band for the longest time was Pearl Jam which kind of led me to I still love indir- Pearl Jam. yeah dude totally and then like indirectly led me to so many other so many other things that I like now you know like finding out about a band like Sunny Day Real Estate or a band like Cody and they're both on Sub Pop and it's like you, you're finding bands on Sub Pop just because the bands you love are on Sub Pop yeah. you know and that really helped expose me to a lot of things uh, at a way earlier age than I think a lot of other people you know maybe like 10, 10, 10 or 11 years old no 11 year old should be listening to Codeine you know what I mean <laughs> so um, so that was that was the first thing that I really got excited about and I remember just going to the record store and you know my dad would take me I'd use my allowance money and buy you know used CDs and then just stuff that looked like it would it would fit the vibe of things that yeah. I'd like you know so um, yeah, that was the first thing I was really amped on. Cool. Which, what's, your, what's your favorite Pearl Jam song? My you favorite Pearl Jam song? Yeah. Uh, or album. You can say album. My oh. favorite album is No Code. Oh, really? I haven't given that one much of a chance. Yeah, that's the offbeat one. That's the yeah. one that I think a lot of the, uh, you boy kind of the more weirdos I have no change yeah, on me. I don't have anything on me right now. I got a buck. Well, I, I don't have luck. that. Good uh, luck. You have more money than I do right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but... What was the question? My favorite uh, program, program. No, yeah. no code. And then my favorite song? I don't know. It's just off the cuff. Really whatever. hard question. Yeah. I, well, that's the thing. I like all the albums for different reasons. And I, I think 
Rearview mirror is the one that like initially sticks out. Like if you were gonna ask me about like that's the first one that pops in my head as like a word association. I, I still uh, versus was the first album like I was. I'd asked for Brian Adams for Christmas. My parents got me Pearl Jam versus, and that's the one that stuck with me. Yeah, uh, daughter is of course. Yeah, that daughter Legend. an elderly woman. Oh yeah, too great. So. <laughs> you know all the harmonies and everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so. Your parents were hippies, right? Hippie-ish. No, my parents were punks. Punks, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I got so, shit wrong. So my mom, cool. my mom sang in a punk band in the eighties, and um, they were both more into like new wave and like uh, you know, like they were big into what was happening in the eighties. You know, yeah. so um, you know, they met through playing music, and then um, when they had me, when they had me, it kind, you know, it kind of died down for them. But it, music was always like a big thing happening in the house. So when I, you know, decided I wanted to play in a band or wanted to buy records or you know, was got really into you know, subculture. They were really embracing of that because they came from a similar background. Yeah, I, I take it they're probably very proud of what you've managed to become so far. Uh, they're pretty proud. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's really, awesome. It's it's definitely cool having supportive yeah. folks behind you. You know, did did they have any bands of note that people might know out there somewhere? <sighs> I don't know about that, yeah. but my mom's band was called Denny and the Dropouts. So if anybody <laughs> wants to look that up, there's stuff on YouTube actually. You could find some stuff. Oh, if you cool. Want. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> was it you posting it on YouTube? Like no, you no, no. There's like a guy. There's some dude in Philadelphia who had a bunch of old live videos and he posted stuff from like 1981 on, oh, yeah. you know, on YouTube and cool. stuff. What's it like to watch your parents? It's awesome. I, like that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. My mom, my dad played in a, I forget what kind of, my dad was in like a disco band and some other stuff and like, you know, late 70s, early 80s and, uh, you know, so I haven't really seen my dad, my, any of the stuff my dad worked on, but my mom's stuff's pretty read, readily available. She's got a couple seven inches and things. Nice. And, yeah, it's pretty rough. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah it's killer. Uh, so, so when did like your parents bought you? Never mind. When did that turn into you picking up an instrument and starting to play? Um, in the f- like fifth or sixth grade, me so and a few friends. Early. Yeah, me and a few friends from school were talking about how it'd be cool to start a band, and none of us really knew what we were doing. Yeah. But it's like it's similar to any other kids, young kids trying to start a band. You just figure it out. And that band later became a band I was in called The Progress. And we, so the dudes that I was in The Progress with. We were playing music since you know since the fifth grade, you know, and kind of basically just learned how to play all our instruments together at the same time. Nice. I like the story that you guys uh, there was a bet or something, and you I ended lost. up accidentally you lost, and I had to play bass. You were a bass player. Yeah. <laughs> I like that story. It was story. a coin toss. Yeah. Yeah, coin toss. Yeah. <laughs> what did you call it? Do you remember? Call it the coin toss. Yeah. Who has to play bass? Oh well, I mean like. Did you get heads or tails? Oh, I don't remember. Uh, that, I just remember losing. I, I, I remember the disgrace yeah. of losing. Yeah. <laughs> that ended up being a happy accident. I trust me, man. I actually had way more fun playing bass than I think I would have playing guitar. Yeah, I, I'm a bass player. People always make those bad bass player jokes. And I'm like, you know, it's kind of a fairly technical instrument. Yeah, that if, gets, you're, if you care about it, it can yeah. be awesome. Um, so you started your first band at 15. That was the progress. And you guys did fairly well, right? We did decent. You know, we put out a couple EPs and an LP and uh, all on CD at the time because vinyl wasn't really a thing again yet. But, uh, you know, we did some touring and um, gained a little bit of recognition. And right when it was starting to pick up steam, it kind of just fizzled out. Everybody started getting jobs and girlfriends and commitments. And I still wanted to keep doing music, yeah. so I started doing this. Uh, so when did this become a lifestyle that you were obsessed with? Like, you couldn't leave? Um, well... When uh, it's funny, the two guys who are two of the guys who are playing in the band now, both named Josh, they used to play in a band called Former Thieves. Okay, I and uh, and so Former Thieves asked me to do a tour with them, and so I took off work and I went on this short tour with those guys. And then I came home and did a couple more tours after that. And then I came home from Europe, and I didn't have a job anymore. And so um, I'd kind of relinquished to myself. Well, if I don't if I don't do this now. 
I'll never get another chance to do it because I'm I'm about to turn 30. So it's you know if I if I miss this shot, then I'll never get another shot like it. And so I just committed you know everything to it in hopes that it would work out. And so far, it's not that, done pretty okay. Has it is, is it surprising to you that you can actually like make a living doing this? Thing? I mean, it's a very yeah. a modest living, but yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's the dream, you know. It's like. Yeah. You, you talk about playing in a band when you're young and, and like really the only goal is, is not having to have what's cool about Intuit Over it is there's nobody really telling me what to do on top of that like I'm my own boss and that's that's like the big the best part of it is that I get to make the decisions and do what I need to do and, and I have control and I feel like uh, I feel like I get to do the thing I love you know as a lifestyle I guess I mean, lifestyle is like maybe a weird word but um, but it's just something that uh, I can be proud of every day it's awesome um, so Intuit Over It started after a breakup with a girlfriend it was a breakup it was a loss of a job it was uh, a bunch of things kind of falling apart at once like my whole life was in disrepair and then uh, I wasn't furthermore I wasn't writing music anymore I wasn't being creative anymore and I was in this big rut and uh, the songwriting project of 52 Weeks just kind of came out of feeling emotionally devastated you know it's pretty appropriate that it's kind of become what it is but <laughs> yeah have you ever called that ex-girlfriend and thanked her for breaking up with you no because <laughs> no. I, I, I mean i could it's uh, well no i mean i think if i think about if my life had, had continued on that path i probably would have done something similar but the whole initial vibe would have probably been uh maybe not as motivated yeah. initially you know <laughs> so so you wrote one song a week for a whole year 52 weeks uh, what kind of brain space does that use? Like you're challenging yourself every week to do something. Yeah, um, it became it became like a like a way of life. You know, it, it started like I'd have to plan my weeks around uh, what to write on which day, and you know, I also had to make time to go out and do things because that would give me material to write songs about. So it was this weird balance of having a nine to five and also coming home keeping really weird hours like I'd come home from work and I'd take a nap wake up start working on songs you know and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday go out do some stuff and then that would create the song material and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday write the lyrics about it you know and uh, you know it just it became this really it almost became it had to be regimented because right. if it wasn't regimented it would have never been able to be finished and, um, but yeah, I mean, it, for a while, it was really in a groove. Like, from weeks 11 until week 45, I was just on a on a roll. And then, toward the end, it became kind of, not exhausting, but it definitely was, it was, you could see the end in sight, yeah. and that made it harder to, like, really pull it together. You know? Yeah, like, like senioritis so kind close. of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, the project finished. Do you still, what, what kind of work ethic do you still have? I, what I'm trying to, let me let me see if I can phrase it right like do you still constantly write songs yeah is it just something that will never escape you now that if whole not, year if it's not doing this it's you know doing songs with pet symmetry or there they're there or stay out of the weather it's like constantly feeling the need to be working on something even if it's just rehearsing you know it's yeah. something that like every day there has to be something going on i have to be working on a song i have to be working on a project i have to be you know coming up with an idea or, or planning an idea and, yeah. yeah it's definitely it has become a way of life and that's shaped really like it, it, the big thing about 52 weeks was I said I was going to do something and then I did it and that I think has played into every scenario I've been in since like if I say I'm going to start a band or put a record out yeah. I'm, I'm going to get it done yeah. you know? and, and that, that's kind of sort of I try to do an episode a week it, 
the last two years it's been 30 a year but still that's it's pretty pretty, good. pretty impressive um, but yeah it remind, it's a lot like Julie and Julia oddly inspired me have you seen that movie no it's a woman who finds Julia Child's cookbook and decides that within a month she's going to cook every single recipe in it <laughs> it's a like it's a yeah, I shouldn't even be talking about it. It's a rom-com? It, it's, it's, it's kind of a rom-com without the romance. Okay. But it's, in but it's there, a I food romance. But I, I enjoy it, and everybody's like, you're, you're hey. dumb. Shut up, Damien. But I love it. But yeah, still, yeah. That, that that movie, I'm like, man, in the next 30 days, I'm going to do something, and I still haven't done it yet. Yeah, yeah. But, so congratulations to you for making that happen. Um, so is is that like the output of doing... You basically made yourself a workaholic. Yeah, it's, so I've been. I was a workaholic before, but my work was always into different things. Yeah. And now, I, now I can do my own stuff and have it be a workaholic yeah. about that. <laughs> How do you relax? Do you find ways to relax? Oh, totally. So yeah, I like to travel. I like to yeah, I enjoy good food. And, oh, you like um, to travel. You're in a good line of work. Yeah. Well, no, I mean traveling, not necessarily right. doing this. You know. Um, and I really like. Uh, man, you know, it's, that's the thing. I, I feel like when you love what you do so much, yeah. you're. The stuff you do to relax is also the same thing as your work, you know. Like it's just at a different capacity. Like I can work on projects that are maybe more fun, maybe less pressure, and that's like a, a good way for me to clear my head and, and enjoy myself. You know? yeah. um, so your slow, your career is—I don't know about slowly, but you've been very um, steadily picking up steam. Here you are. You're a super DIY guy originally, yeah. And now you have like a label, a booking agent, a tour manager. Is is it weird to let go of some of that? It's it's different because when when you, when you give when you're able to delegate responsibility on other things, you're able to focus more attention on doing the stuff you actually really like to do. Like you you start out being yeah why because it's out of necessity. You have to if you want to get started, you have to do it. You have to you have to be fully functional and be able to be responsible for everything you need to do. As you get to a certain point, you want to focus more on the songwriting end of things, or you want to focus more on. Uh, you know just why you got into doing music in the first place yeah. and it's and when you can begin to delegate that responsibility I think it makes it a little definitely makes it a lot easier to have fun doing what you're doing yeah. like nobody if you talk to any band no band likes booking their own tour no band nobody. you know likes having to you know worry about things like where you know if, if you're going to get paid or if like the, the certain like problems that come up with tour like the way to not have to like to be able to not have to worry about that stuff is or at least not directly have to worry about it is awesome you know and if you can get to that point I think it's I think it's really cool and it doesn't mean it's not DIY like we're still doing everything ourselves oh, yeah. you know it's like but now I've got a, a group of people that will help me out you know and, you're just um, not screen printing everything yeah <laughs> yeah exactly longer, you, know? you know I can I can spend more time writing songs <laughs> yeah. Uh, today is day three mm-hmm. of your tour. It's yeah. what, a month and a half? Yeah, five weeks. Something like that. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. Um, I mean, you've talked about you you did a whole tour for an, most of an entire year. Yeah. Um, are you comfortable on the road? Is this where you feel at home or um, is it just... I think it's a balance. You know, I, I I really like being on the road a lot and I think I, I could definitely not sit still. Like, if I'm home for too long, yeah. I begin to get anxious. I begin to want to be able to, you know, I want to, I got to keep moving. I got to do, be doing something and... Um, so to be able to have that balance of home and being gone is really healthy for me. I don't think I could do this. Like, when we put proper out, when I put proper out, I was gone, like, 12 months straight. Yeah. And by the end of that 12 months, all I wanted to do was go home. I, like, I just was like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Like, I'm tired. I just want to sleep in my own bed. I just want to, you know, enjoy my apartment. I just want to enjoy my city that I live in, you know, clear my head a little bit. And, um, so now it's about finding, I think, that, that equilibrium between the two and because um, I think that just helps me enjoy being at home more and being on the road more. Yeah. Um, you've toured being with, in Yang. Yeah. 
And you've done tours with like Frank and Andrew Jackson Jihad, and then uh, God, I can't believe I'm forgetting the name of the band that you were just in Denver with. Uh, 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 saves the day. Saves the day. Saves the day. Mm-hmm. You've done these pretty huge tours. What do you learn from going on tour with those road veterans? That uh, do you learn anything like going on, on um, like tour with Saves the Day that you might not have already known? It, you know what's interesting? I so I've never done a headlining tour before, and oh. so big things for doing Congrats. like thank you. So big things for doing stuff like this is. Uh, it really helps being able to know how to treat everybody on the tour. Because when you're headlining band, it's your job to make sure that everybody is having a good time, that everybody's being taken care of, that, um, you know, you've, I've kind of curate, like, headlining bands always seem to they curate their tour. They basically are, like, putting everything together. Yeah. You know, and you're, when at the end of the day, it's going to come back to you, whether if, if something's going wrong or if someone's not, you know, having a fun time or if someone's feeling uncomfortable, like, that's... You know, it's our job to make sure that that's being taken care of. So that's a big thing that I learned from doing these bigger tours was how to conduct myself in a situation like this. Yeah. You know, and, and making sure that that everyone is getting looked after and everyone's being taken care of. Is it stressful headlining your own tour at all? Or totally. Is it, yeah. 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 I mean, absolutely. <laughs> it's a it's a lot of pressure, you know, and it's um, a lot of expectation, you know, and so. Uh, but it's also really rewarding, like to play yeah. to play a headlining show and know that you know people are coming to see you. And, and, uh, you know, you can get a little, you can take a little more liberty. You can be a little more comfortable on stage, and know that you know people are got your back. You know what I mean? If they're there to see you at a headline show, they have your back. So yeah. you don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be like, you're not there to. You don't have to impress anyone because you can just be yourself, and it's awesome. That it's like a, that's my favorite part of doing a headline trip is that it's complete. Like, I can we can do whatever we want and really have this awesome, intimate, cool experience with these people. And, um, not like supporting where you have to be like this is what we do and hope you like it you yeah, know like right. <laughs> which can be yeah well, you know yeah. Every, yeah. <laughs> a lot of arms folded yeah, standing uh, there people are like you know stroking people. their beards or yeah. you know they're like who's this who's this guy <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I, I watched a bunch of YouTube videos today and one thing I like about your performance is you seem very comfortable on stage yeah. it, does that come have you always been comfortable on stage no. or does that just come <laughs> from 15 years of, it comes from playing solo that, you know like it, it, that was the big thing like when I started playing solo shows I was terrified and then after doing that for five years you really begin to gain that confidence to to just be fearless you know and it's that's what I think helps the most about being solo I think that's noticeable in someone like Frank's performance you know you learn to to deal with people who might be heckling you or deal with people who you know are engaging you and come with good or bad you know and it's and it uh you just feel like I mean if you can do it alone I feel like you can do it in any capacity you know so sure um, I asked PJ Bond this a couple weeks ago. Oh, awesome. And it's something that uh, this He's a really He put out the first Progress EP. PJ and I have known each other since, like, for, like, going on 15 years. He's like a really I, old friend of mine. I wish I had texted him and asked him for inside stories for me to ask about, but I, did, I didn't make it that far in my research because... Because so. you're watching, uh, cause you're watching Julie on Julie. Well, I didn't watch it today. What did I watch today? I didn't watch anything today except for videos of you. So. Um, but no, so PJ tours mostly acoustic. Mm-hmm. You've put out, a, you've done a lot of stuff acoustic. Um, he just toured with a band called Arliss Nancy that I work with, good buddies of mine that I always talk about on here. And I should shut up about. But I, I asked him like, uh, which, which version of his songs are more the real? I guess realer version, the acoustic or the full band. Yeah. If that makes sense to you, I still haven't figured out quite how to word that. But like, I think it for well for Intuit over it, I think it goes it goes both ways. They're different experiences. I mean, for me, the real way 
for me, the real way is the way that it's on the record, yeah. you know, and, and to play it the way that it was written and the way it was intended to be. But there have definitely been some moments, and there's some songs that I do prefer playing solo that are actually arranged to be full band songs, you know. And um, I think it just depends on the mood, you know. Like, if you can have this awesome vibe playing a, a nice, like, really intimate solo show, that to me could mean a lot more than doing some full band yeah. shows. But it's definitely fun to get up there and, and be you know, fucking loud and, you know, hear the, hear the songs the way they were meant to be, you know, which is still new for me. Like this is, this tour, especially we've learned a lot of songs that I've never played as a full band. And, um, so we've been, you know, testing them out the last couple nights and we're still feeling them out and it's kind of fun getting to like have that experience of, you know, still experimenting with these new, these new songs we've learned, you know, so it's pretty cool. Uh, I've listened to the, like, I, I'm not a kind of a liner notes sitting kind of like I don't pull out the liner notes and just read the lyrics along. Yeah. I just listen to something over and over and over again and let it seep in. Um, so I haven't really given the new album. It, the new album hasn't seeped in enough, but I love what I've heard so far. Okay, cool. Fucking love it. Yeah. Like it sounds like pandering bullshit, but I love it. I was genuinely <laughs> excited today when I got the email. I'm like, fuck yeah, let's go do this. Not really prepared. Fuck it. Um, so uh, you recorded with. Uh, Fuck his name just escaped. Brian me. Deck. Brian Deck. What was the process going in for this album versus like uh, uh, proper? Um, was when we wrote proper, we were writing a rock record. We yeah. knew we wanted to write a rock record. It was pretty cut and dry. Two guitar, bass, drums. Really simple. Could definitely weren't looking to experiment. wasn't looking to uh, go out of the box very much. Yeah. And it was the first full length, so it was definitely like you know just feeling out that process. And then this time we wrote these songs that seem to really offer themselves up for a lot of layering for a lot of new ideas and Brian is awesome for that you know like he the stuff he's done with Modest Mouse and Iron and Wine it's just like these really super creative uh, ideas that I wouldn't normally think about and also the way that I look about look at music is not the same way Brian looks at music so it was this really cool collaboration of two people that seemingly maybe would have not worked on something together yeah. but had an awesome time working on something together because we both were coming from this different spectrum and, and could both suggest ideas to each other about Sorry, boss. In. Sorry. Um, but we were both, you know, uh, able to bounce ideas off yeah. each other and kind of feel each other out. And, and he would come up with stuff where I'd be like, whoa, I would have never thought of that. And then I would come up with stuff and he'd be like, whoa, I would have never thought of that. And so it really, that was the biggest thing. It was just a blast. Is it, is it intimidating going in and working with somebody who's worked with other such pedigree? Not at all. He, yeah. he made it so comfortable. And yeah. he's a really funny, awesome dude um, who just enjoys being creative which is what I like to do you know like the studio aspect is my favorite thing about being in a band and that kind of um, that kind of excitement of stumbling onto an idea or like trying something out that you wouldn't normally thought about that to me is just what makes being in a band fun so it was a really eye opening experience and that's probably going to shape the way I make records from here on out Cool. Are you going to work with him again, I'm sure? Uh, We did a 7 inch together uh, for this polyvinyl series that's coming out and um I could see myself working with Brian again. I know we're going to try something new for the next one, um, but I had an awesome time, and I know he does too when we're making records together. And he's a Chicago guy? He's a Chicago guy. And you're a Chicago guy. Now I am, yeah. What brought you to Chicago? Like, you're a world traveler. I do too. (laughs) I love it. I moved there when I was 18, and, uh, you know, and then I moved back to New Jersey, which is where I'm from, and, um, you know, but I always wanted to return, and finally, six years ago, I just made the jump, and I've loved it. So basically, most of all of the Into It Over It stuff has been done in Chicago. Cool, 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 cool. Um, let me switch gears real quick. You were on Carson Daly just a couple I days was, ago, right? Yeah, yeah. Was that filmed just a couple days ago? No, or was it was that... filmed a, like maybe a week and a half, two yeah. weeks ago. Um, you don't meet them, so oh, I didn't really? get to meet them. So, oh, well then, but uh, but they the interview process is really cool. They ask a lot of awesome questions, and um, 
yeah, it was fun to just kind of get to go to Los Angeles and, and, and do that and uh, kind of take a mini vacation. Um, it was like literally a 30-hour vacation. Nice. So I was yeah. you know, barely in Los Angeles. But yeah, it's a cool process the way the people that run the show are really awesome. And it was cool that they got the interview turned around in time for the tour. Like they, yeah. it aired the night the tour started. So it was awesome that they, that they went out of their way to do that. Does anybody, like, I, I tried to watch it today online, but it's very hard to find his stuff, like, legally online. But yeah. uh, how, how was the reception? I mean, I don't oh, know. That was cool. Uh, it was uh, interesting. A lot of people. It was interesting getting, yeah. I was really happy that a lot of people that uh, I thought might think it was goofy thought it was actually really cool. cool. And I thought it was a little goofy, too. Like, you find out, like, I'm, you know, Carson Daly Show, that's crazy. Yeah. Like, I'm yeah. NBC, you know, like, yeah. what, you know. At, like, so, 1 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, which is cool also because they encouraged, like, swearing and being a goofball. Oh, really? It's just cool. fucking cool. And, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I was I was surprised that so many people that I knew were, like, amped, you know, yeah. and, and that I was getting texts from people that I haven't heard from in years being, like, so cool that you're on TV, you know, like, which, you know, I thought was really flattering and really, uh, really exciting. You yeah, know? I like, think it's it, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I, yeah, I, I wish I could have watched it so we could actually fucking talk about it. <laughs> Carson, get it online. <laughs> um, Hit me with a stream, Don. Yeah. <laughs> so let's let's talk about pet symmetry. Symmetries, right? Yeah, yeah. I love the name. Thanks. I'm a huge it's Chris Farron's fan. name. Are you a Fake Problems fan? Yeah. Yeah. So Chris from Fake Problems had the name. He actually, it was funny. He he, uh, Frank had posted a thing on the internet about wanting a band name, which would eventually became Mongol Horde, and uh, Chris posted this like list of band names it was like five names in a row and all of them were amazing and so I texted him right away I was like Pet Symmetry man please have that name like that is the coolest name I've heard in a really long time and he was like sure you can have it and I was like awesome and so you know we thanked him in the first seven inch like the yes. name like he's responsible for the name and um, yeah and, and then so that project comes out of you being a workaholic and just needing sort of I, I, I mean partially but um, Eric and Marcus who Marcus and Eric were both in this band called Dowsing. Marcus isn't in Dowsing anymore, but I really like Eric's style of writing songs. And um, that was similar to how, like, There They There got started. Just, like, I really like your guitar playing. I really like how you write music. This is an idea I have, and I think you two dudes would be awesome at making this idea. Yeah. And uh, and it's really cool. Eric, like, churns out songs, and it's and we write them together, and it's this really cool process. And um, being in a three-piece is so easy. Like, you just... So we can we can write like two or three songs in a practice and feel awesome about them. You know, are you playing so bass on? I play bass in that yeah. band. Yeah. yeah. So and that was the other thing. I get to play bass again, which is really cool. Like I miss playing bass, so uh, it just makes for a really fun, yeah. fun experience. And you guys did a short tour with Sundials. Who yeah. Have still I've still never seen, but they I don't put think they've made of, it out here before. Yeah. For whatever reason, <laughs> I email them all the time. I'm like, come visit me. I love you. <laughs> um, but so, what is the experience of that like versus? into it over it like it's I, way I, more laid back it's yeah. I mean both the, all the other bands are laid back more yeah. than this one but it was cool because we did a tour that was basically all house shows basically just really that we you know essentially along with some help from Greg who plays in World is a Beautiful Place kind of just set up this this short tour and um, getting to do some DIY stuff which we haven't all of us hadn't been able to do in a while yeah. and, um, it's a different beast it's yeah, own, yeah yeah it's yeah. it's own band you know and, and, and you know we all I don't know it's just a fun thing to do that like kind of bring it back to the basement like there's certain shows that like Intuit Over It like just can't play anymore yeah. because it'd be dangerous you know yeah. it's like getting to be able to do a smaller band that's fun and, and you know there's no pressure 
Yeah. Like, if it sucks, it sucks, and who cares? And if it's great, it's great. That's awesome, you know. But it's strictly fun, and yeah. that's what I think makes it makes it excellent. Uh, you put on the producer hat for the new You Blew It album. Mm-hmm. What is it like putting on that hat? Like, so I, I want to make the bad joke. It's like somebody who has so many jobs, who wears so many hats, doesn't like their hair. Or some. I, I butchered that, but <laughs> you, you wear a lot of hats. Um, <laughs> the thing about the You Blew It record was I knew they wanted to make a new album. I knew what their demos for the new stuff had sounded like. I knew how they wanted it to sound, and I knew that I could make it sound the way they wanted it to. Yeah. And so I asked my friend Matt, who engineered the record, if he wanted to do it with me, because I don't know how to engineer. I only know how to like shape songwriting. You cool. know? And, and so he, they came up to Chicago, and we spent two weeks together. It was a fucking awesome time. They were great to be in the studio with. They're so down to try new ideas and work stuff out. And, um, and they're all really good players. <laughs> like They all shred. So... Like, you know, and we didn't even know. We, like, they showed up and we're like, damn, you're like, those are fucking awesome at guitar. Like, we had no idea, you know, and uh, so that project was just, that was my first foray. I really, it was something I've been wanting to do for a really long time, and I'm really glad it worked out. And I might actually be doing a couple more records in cool. March. So, yeah, yeah. Any, yeah. Anything, uh, any ideas who they might be? Or? I know who they are. I can't, oh, I can't, you can't tell, tell you. Right, right, right. <laughs> I actually, like, confirmed both today. So. Oh, cool. Congrats. Yeah, well, thanks. we'll look forward to that. Um, I guess we'll just start wrapping things up. Um, I don't have much more because, you know, whatever. Um, what else do you have on the horizon? You got it the next four this tour, and a half and weeks? Then the, yeah, and then I do, we finished up this. I do some more production stuff, and then in the spring we're probably going to go out and do the same thing all over again. Cool. And then hopefully go back to, I want to take these guys to Japan. I want to go to, you know, I want to go all across the world this year. And, and then Josh, from who's drumming into it right now, we've started writing a new Into It Over record, and it's coming along really good so far. So, um yeah, I mean, it's been more the same. Can't yeah. slow down. Can't yeah. stop, won't stop, you know? <laughs> what, what, what else do you have on your plate? Like, what else are you doing? Are you writing a book or something somewhere? No, no, like I'm, not getting, I'm not getting that wild. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, cool. Anything else you want to throw out there? Anything else you want to say? Know, this was a lot of fun. Yeah, this was fun. Yeah. Sorry. I, yeah, I wish I had been a little You're bit more. You're fine. you got to stop I, apologizing. I know, a, I know, I know. It's okay. And, and you had some really good questions. My, my lady, yeah, my friends. It's so much better than, like, me. where's the band name come from? You're like, where? what's your favorite color? You're like, okay. What is your favorite color? Marine. Right. Nice. All right. I, I, I'm out of things, so um, <laughs> I, I could probably keep bullshitting. But anyway, but I like the new record. It's great. Cool. I'm excited to see the band. Appreciate tonight, it, man. So. Thank right, you. We'll go back inside now. Yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> well, all right, buddies. Thanks again to Evan for hanging out, getting harassed by bums, and chatting with me in front of the Marquee Theater in beautiful Denver, Colorado. Thanks to Chris from Big Hassle Media for setting this up. And uh, I'm actually really happy at how everything came out. And there's a lot of things that happen in that spontaneity of doing this last minute and not having done as much research as I normally do. And again, I know I harped on this during the interview, before the interview, uh, but it is something I kind of pride myself on and I try to have fun. But uh, if I had done the research that I normally do, I might not have asked a lot of the spur of the moment questions and things might not have taken the path that they went to. So maybe we should try spontaneity more often. And guess what? We do a next week's episode with Mike Herrera of MXPX when we sit down and chat with him. I kind of throw my notes out and we kind of uh, do it free balling style. Uh, but again, thanks to Evan for uh, sitting down and talking to me. I uh, apologize again for calling you even so many times, but uh, I'm a dyslexic mess. Uh, the show that night of the marquee was a fantastic, awesome, epic show. I fell madly in love with the uh, support band. The world is a beautiful place and I'm no longer afraid to die. Those guys killed it. I may or may not have drunkenly told them after the show how much I hate, hate, hate their band name, but I love, love, love their band, and uh, I believe they jokingly agreed that they hate their band name too. So, uh, good dudes, good band. Check those guys out as well. They reminded me of a more emo, uh, a little bit more indie rock version of 
fucked up if you're familiar with fucked up uh just one big huge wall of sound but man into it over it killed it that night uh cemented why um their newest record is one of my favorite records of last year even if i did just discover it this year so uh anyway guys i'm gonna quit rambling you guys don't like listening to me rambling i don't like to ramble actually that's a lie i love rambling uh again if this is your first time visiting mostly harmless podcast please check us out at mostly harmless podcast.com like us on facebook subscribe on itunes maybe uh if you're on stitcher check out stitcher you can subscribe and review and like us on stitcher as well hey we want an award for stitcher so i gotta be doing something right 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 maybe who knows uh so we're gonna go ahead and end this with another track off of uh into it over its newest record intersections out now on triple crown records uh this track is gonna be called spatial exploration i don't know why i had the shatner right there with that little pause spatial exploration all right buddies i'm gonna quit rambling i'm gonna go uh i'm gonna go drink some whiskey just what it needed all right buddies see you in the funny pages Thank you.